0: The following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. We can uh, But i I'd like to start off with a depth of gratitude to David and Laney opening our home yesterday. a lovely event. Mm-hmm. Um, Most uh, welcome. Fun to do. Great crowd. Mm-hmm. Very lovely. Thank you. So I figured it's, it's a good time to speak of gratitude. Um, so I'm going to try, try to apply it to business, but happens to be... I'll bring the red book, let's see if it brought me how much here. We just started... Oh, so first, before that, before I get to the Torah, so the, the, this is a quote that I found from Forbes magazine this morning. Um, where it, interestingly it discusses the concept of gratitude within a place of business. Here it's, it's in the context of a, of an employer um, b- being gratitude, what's the word? Gracious. Or grat- um, being thankful and appreciating his employees. So it says above all the compensation and benefits, however, it talks about how to deal with employees. It says the unprompted word of genuine appreciation that inspired employees best. In words, they're saying more than money, more than a raise, the what inspires employees is gratitude. Kathy says it is vital to take the time to be present for employees and to thank them appropriately even publicly for their loyalty to the company for their outstanding results. He says in fact research shows that sixty-five percent of employees polled would rather have a better boss than a raise. Is that amazing? I don't know. Maybe poll. Um, I'm not surprised at all. You spent eight hours with you. near yeah. them. Knowing that, what kind of an employer are you? In this time of gratitude, perhaps we can all take a page from the best company's playbook and show the gratitude to our employees that will not only contribute to their health and well-being, but will also help to inspire their best work. This is from an article in Forbes, um, which I saw. Uh, So so in business, a big part of business, as we're going to talk about, is gratitude. We're going to discuss it from a different angle, um, as we'll see. various forms of gratitude that I never would have uh, thought is something that's necessary. Um, but we're, we're going to talk about that. So, gratitude in, in, within Jewish um, texts and Jewish philosophy, gratitude is a, is a very, very basic thing. Some say it's the basis for much of our service to, to Hashem. Is, mm-hmm. is our purpose in this world is what we call Olam Chesedimana, to build a world of kindness. And, and that's done by, as we'll see, by being gratitude's. So, um, so, to start with, so as we know, we've just finished the book of Genesis. Uh, this was this past Shabbat was the first Torah reading for those on the annual cycle, which is in the book of for the book of Exodus. And in Genesis, we we had the whole story with Joseph and his brothers. And uh, and as we know, Joseph, we discussed I think two weeks ago, Joseph more or less saved the country of Egypt, the economy. Um, Was all due to he more or less saved the country during the seven years of famine, downturn in Egypt. Um, So everything was good. His whole family moved down to Egypt. But this, the book of Exodus, begins with um, saying uh, how a new king arose, a new Pharaoh arose. That's the first words, one of the first words in the the parishes is Joseph died um, and all his brothers. So that the whole generation, the first generation that came down to Egypt originally, the family of Jacob they all passed away, they were gone, and it says um, the new generation, again, the, the initial family of, of Jacob that came down was 71 people came down to Egypt from the land of Canaan. Out of those 71, as we know, when the Jews leave Egypt, the exodus, 210 years later, um, there are almost three million. Okay? In two in 210 years, it sounds, uh, sounds like Busy. a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah. So actually, the, the measure says that they actually were having six children, and they were having sextuplets at the time, <laughs> Jewish people. So Busy. actually, that's one of the things that scared the, the Egyptians. That might have been rightfully so. So we can't blame it on anti-Semitism. Um, they actually were getting nervous when people start having sextuplets in your society. So, But it says that a, a new king arose, Okay, that's how the verse um, talks about. You look here on the sheet, uh, quote number one, it says, a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Okay, behold, the people, the children of Israel are more numerous and stronger than we. Come, let us act wisely against them. And it says they accused them, a the king came out with decrees, as we know, to, to kill all male children um, that are born. And more so, the, the, uh, they accused them of being a fifth column, just something historically... Jews in many countries, being the the immigrants to land, so they said that the Jews would be a fifth column. If another country wages war against us, the Jews will be on the side of the enemy. That was their official concern. Why they were enslaved ended up enslaving the Jewish people. So what's interesting is, so the, the term, by the way, a new king arose. There's an argument in the Talmud as to how to interpret it. This is very important within politics all, all uh, societies. Sometimes you have, it's according to the simple interpretation, it means that literally a new king. The old pharaoh died, a new pharaoh became king, and he didn't recognize all the good that Joseph had done, the Jewish people, Joseph, being the forebearer of the Jewish people at the time, had done um, for the country of Egypt. The other interpretation, no, it was the same king, just his policies changed, not a new mm-hmm. king arose. He didn't, and, and that's the key words here, which I want to um, focus on. It says he did not know Joseph, he did not recognize Joseph, Meaning, that, why does the Torah go on to tell you why is that relevant to the story here? The point is, it's making this point of he did not recognize the good that Joseph did, because there just as there's a concept of gratitude, there's a certain sense there's a concept of what we call an ingrate, someone who is does not understand gratitude, doesn't know um, to be thankful when someone helps him when someone uh, does something good to him, and therefore. Um, that that's the contrast the Torah is making here, as we're going to see. Contrast contrast between Pharaoh and uh, and the Jewish people, as we're going to see. The contrast being is here we have this person came into the country, saved the economy, did everything for the country, and the second as soon as he dies, as soon as he's gone, the the uh, the, the king, the same king, no longer recognizes and is uh, the and has appreciation for what he did for the country. So just to bring it into current events, I think this is part of the problem that's going on in Europe now, maybe even in our own United States, where you have immigrants coming in um, many times. In, in Europe, it's from North Africa, North African immigrants, um, and many of them happen to be Muslim, who are really don't, they, I don't think they, when a country takes you in, as we're going to talk about that, you, even if you don't agree with the values of the country, or you don't necessarily agree with the <coughs> policies of the country, doesn't mean you don't have to have gratitude. This country yeah. let you in as an immigrant. Uh-huh. Um, there's, there's a concept just of the fact that they hosted you. So again, even if you don't necessarily agree with their values, and, and then many times in the United States, I don't necessarily agree with, their, with the values here. But that doesn't mean that I go ahead and, and start shooting up uh, newspapers or other places just because I don't agree with their values. So that's a very important concept I think you see here with the with, uh, same problem with total stressing here. The pharaoh did not recognize the good, did not appreciate the good that Joseph had done. According to the opinion, it was the same pharaoh. It wasn't a new king. That's, that's just too... Why is it important that it was the same pharaoh? Why, why would you oh, not think no, that well, it Well, I'm just saying it's, it's easier, it's a good point, it's easier to, un, to understand that the new king arose, you know, maybe he didn't re- realize what uh, happened in the past. That was history, but here it's the same, same leader. Joseph saved the, the whole country from, from ruin. And, uh, and, he, and he's still not appreciating once Joseph passed on, okay now we're gone, we're moving on and his, his descendants Joseph's own descendants, these people were enslaved, and their children were killed by the Egyptian government so so that, that that's the point there's more of a stress, you're right the, kind, the same concept would exist either way however you interpret it, even if it's a new king new pharaoh, the, the same concept exists it's just, I think the fact if it's the same person just shows how more um, an ingrate the uh, Egyptian Government or people were at the time, so that's that's concept number one. We see in the beginning of, of Exodus, the beginning of Parshat Shmos. Um, so, and to contrast that now with what happens in this week's Parsha, um, which is fa- an unbelievable thing, which I don't fully comprehend yet, but I'm just going to state what it says, which I found this uh, fascinating, which is it's in these. Uh, in this week's parsha, which is parsha Vaera, second parsha in the book of Exodus, so the parsha begins with um, these these start the beginning of the plagues where Moshe takes the leadership position. Moses, he comes um, and God sends him to do uh, to do the various plagues to prove to Pharaoh, um, to try to get Pharaoh to convince him to take the Jewish people out of Egypt. So, uh, so the Torah says, which is interesting is the first as we know there are ten plagues, all seven of them were done by Moses, God asked Moses to do them, the first three plagues, you look at the language, you don't have it on your sheet, I didn't put it there, there was no room, but it, it all, in the first three plagues, God's speaking to Moses, and he says, Moshe." He says, speak to Aaron to do the first three plagues, he, he doesn't tell Moshe to do the first three plagues, he tells Moshe to tell his brother Aaron to do the plagues, the first three, the first three plagues were blood, uh, the frogs, and the lice, Okay, those are the first three plagues. so so Rashi points this out, why why is he talking to Moshe, Rashi the commentator um, on the Torah says why is Hashem why is God speaking to Moses and telling him to speak to Aaron to do the plays why didn't he tell him to do it so what he says is you find it here in the Hebrew Um, basically what Rashi says is that Moshe and as we'll see, I'm going sort of out of order here, but in last week's partial, we'll get back to that. One of the things that happens is, um, the first thing is is born, as we know, because there was a decree from the Egyptian government to kill all Jewish males that were born at the time. Um, they would drown them, uh, drown them in different ways that they, that they uh, did this infanticide. But uh, as we know, the famous story, if you've seen the movie, Prince of Egypt, so the, they take uh, Moshe, And they put him, his parents know he's going to be killed if they keep him in the house. So Yochever, his mom, puts him in a basket with tar and sends him floating down the Nile River hoping someone will find him and and save him. Um, The story goes, of course, the the pharaoh's own daughter, the princess, finds him. She brings him up in the palace. So um, what happens is that... you? What happens is... The, the Nile, in essence, saved Moshe's life. So the first two <coughs> plagues explains Rashi. Um, the plagues that the Moshe was commanded by God to take his staff and to smite the Nile River, where the, the water would turn to blood, and the frogs would come out of the river. So says Rashi that Moshe refused to do it. He had a debt of gratitude to the Nile. In fact, that he had a great, debt grad of da- gratitude to the river. He refused to hit the river. It's a very strange thing. Obviously, the river has no feelings. The river doesn't understand when you're going to be gracious to it or not, or ingracious to it. So, but still, it says Moshe refused to hit the river because the river had saved his life. Since this river had saved his life. It's a very clear, very strange thing. You're being gracious to an inanimate inanimate object. Okay, and the same thing applies, it says, to the third plague. The third plague was lice. As we'll see soon, one of the acts that Moshe did was the first time he left the palace, he saw an Egyptian slave master, mm-hmm. a taskmaster, smiting, hitting a, a Jewish uh, slave. So he went ahead and, uh, and he killed the, the taskmaster, killed the slave master. Um, and he hid his body in the sand. He didn't want anyone to see, as we'll see. So he hid the Egyptian's body in the sand. So again, the, the sand, he had a, um, in order to get the, uh, the plague of lice we would have to hit the sand. And he refused to do that, again, because the sand had saved him, so to speak, in the sense of the sand covered the body that he had killed his mm-hmm. murder victim, this Egyptian slave master. So therefore, he refused to hit the sand. So again, you see this unbelievable concept, and the, a lot of the commentators talk about it, how even to an inanimate object, Moses had gratitude, which is a very strange concept, exactly what that means. Um, why we're having a, why Why would you do that? Why would we require one, or at least... We don't require it, but at least Moses had gratitude to an inanimate object. Yes. And it says that God says <coughs> to tell Aaron. Yes. So Moses says Moses said to God, okay, I don't want yes. to do it. That's they what that's God. what they say. The mis- I mean, it doesn't say that in the Torah, but that's our Rashi's understanding. That. Yes. There's in between the lines here, and Moses refused to do the first three uh, first three or or maybe not, maybe you're right. Maybe God, it was clear to God. But God was making this point. Don't, maybe Moses shouldn't hit something that he had gratitude to. So I'm not sure. Okay. okay I didn't see well, What if question. it was, um, enough. here would be my theory, um, you want to play good cop, bad cop. So Aaron's the bad cop. You yeah, want but the motion. other seven plays Moshe did. Okay. Well, so you, you tried it. Um, just You're saying why he chose Aaron as a right? Person. You want somebody? Yeah, that, that's possible. Why didn't he make Moshe the big happen? That's why. Because Moshe was going to be the leader of the Jews. Okay, nice. No, yeah, say, I mean, yeah could, that, could that's be. possible Wow, man, your God is really thinking things. <laughs> 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 really, that's possible. must have been another question. Really. Yeah, it doesn't say it this explicitly like me, in the Torah. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. Doesn't <laughs> it say this explicitly. Odd. This is all the commentary. No, the Torah says God says. says tell Yes. Yeah, Did you say another another theory as to why God would ask? Aaron, as opposed to to Moshe, that's fine. I have a question, Rabbi. How is it that Aaron was saved, or not saved, from death in oh, he was Egypt born the same way? way. He was, as a matter of fact, he was born, um, Aaron was born before they came. For you know, the before or? For the decree? Before the decree, before they came to Egypt. I mean, he was born uh, prior to them coming to Egypt. Oh, okay. Or in Egypt before the decree, either way. Um, it actually says that his parents, uh, Moses' parents, Moses and Aaron's parents, they divorced. When the decree happened, so Amram, who was the son of Levi, was Moses' father, Moses and Aaron and Miriam's father. So Miriam and Aaron had been born already. And at that point, he said, "Listen, Pharaoh decreed no all Jewish males should be killed." So he divorced his wife. They separated, and they divorced because he said, "Listen, if we can't be together anyway. We, you know, it's too risky." So they just got divorced. And it says that Miriam convinced um, her father to get back together. So she said. You're worse than Pharaoh. Pharaoh is only decreeing on the male children. You're saying you're not going to have female or male children. So you're worse than Pharaoh. So she got them back together, and then Moses was born. Um, that's, wow. just, that's the marriage. That, I never but knew that story. Yeah. So, so it was a second marriage the same woman? Okay. Interesting. So I'm not gonna count on that. Okay. So, um, so um, where was it? Oh, so the point is, clearly, you have this, this. Uh, fascinating concept of having gratitude, according to this, according to Rashi and the Midrash, of having gratitude mm-hmm. to, to an inanimate object, which is a very strange thing. I mean, you see a similar thing, actually, on Shabbat. i um, thinking about it now as I'm talking. It says, when you make Kiddush on Shabbat, um, for the Friday night dinner or Shabbat morning, so you're supposed to cover the, yeah. the loaves of bread. Uh-huh. So one of the reasons given, there's many reasons given. One is uh, it's really to commemorate the uh, the manah, that's why we had the two loaves of bread, but two chalas. But it says, well, another reason given is when you're making a blessing on the wine, the, you're embarrassing, so to speak, humiliating the challah. It's so why you make making a blessing on the chala? so You cover the, chala, um, mm-hmm. the fact for the fact that you're making kiddush on the wine. Which is, again, Rabbi, obviously many, there's no inanimate. many Jews uh, kiss the mezuzah entering and exiting the door. Mm-hmm. is that an inanimate object? Yeah, but that's, that's you can show affection, like people uh, love their cars and love their money. You see people uh, <laughs> kiss their money. Are, why is, yeah, it, but I'm why saying, is it different? It's an inanimate object. No, but the point <laughs> is here, but you're nuts. The fact that I'm kissing the doesn't show that the has feelings. Gratitude, what we're saying is gratitude, or humiliation, is, is something you're going to offend the person. Usually we look at gratitude as something as, you know, you did a favor for me, so it's the, what we call in Yiddish, the thing, right? Uh, proper thing is to thank the person, to give them have a sense of gratitude. But, it's, but if the person has no idea if you're thanking him or not, it's not a person, it's not, it's what's, what's, what, how can you say a sense of gratitude is applicable? What's the gratitude for? Clearly the, the recipient of, uh, meaning the, let's say in this case, the Nile River, or the sand, is not going to know whether Moses hit or thanked them. It's not going to make a difference. So that's, that's the question. So I haven't, I didn't see anything, any great answers. Um, the only thing that I did find, which I think, which is I think, is the point here. I did see discussed in the commentaries is um, one is a few, a few lessons they learned. One is this concept, like we're talking about, even an in, inanimate in object. The, to what I understand the point is, and this is a key point, I think, which maybe every, every society has a concept of gratitude. That's just not a Jewish invention. I think what's different here, um, it, it seems to be at least from what they're explaining here, is. The concept of gratitude is not necessarily for the person who who you who you're thanking, because that's how we view it. Someone did something nice to you, so I have to thank them. Just to they did something for me. Right? What have you done for me lately? So I need to thank them. It's it's also about yourself. It's, it's about the concept of appreciating um, the good that's come to you for yourself. So not not for the recipient, you not for the giver per se, but it's for the recipient. A good part of gratitude is to understand few things. One is the concept of um, that all this good in my life. We, we don't recognize the good that we have. Many times we go through our regular everyday things and there's many things that are happening throughout our day that we, if we would think about them we'd realize how it deserves gratitude. Again not necessarily to a giver per se but even for for me myself to understand how good I have um, I had uh, when I was in school, in rabbinical school so we had a rabbi and one of my rabbis gave a, what we call a, a muster schmooze, an ethical talk so he he spoke about how every time you, let's say, go to Starbucks, it wasn't Starbucks then, now, let's say you drink a bottle of water, okay? He said how you have to think about how many people were involved in, let's say, one cup of coffee. So you go to Starbucks in the morning, they're literally, you don't, you know, you, okay, you thank the person behind the counter. If you're a nice person, so you say thank you to the person who gave you the cup of coffee or the rest of behind the bar. But, but you um, know, people, the per- starting from the person in Columbia, a farmer who planted those, beans, mm-hmm. until the end, the person who made the cup and the packaging and the shipping, there are probably 150 people involved in your water cup of coffee. But no one thinks about it, you don't realize, um, if you if, I speak to anyone in the food industry, I'm a little involved in kashrits, I know about the food industry, when you go to a restaurant and you're served, uh, you know, one little plate of dinner, how many people in the kitchen, or 15 people in the kitchen who've been involved in that plate, including the dishwasher and everyone else, so, and you, you don't even think about it, you don't realize it doesn't mean, obviously, I'm not going to send uh, letters to every, you know, the farmer in Colombia thanking him. for It doesn't mean you have to do that. That's the point. It's not necessarily about the gratitude to the giver. It's about you appreciating how much was involved and how, how much goodness was involved in order for you. Because, again, the other thing is, as we're going to talk about, the person in Colombia is doing it many because he wants to make money, he doesn't even know you exist. He couldn't care less if you exist. Right, so, it's, so, you know, 10th <coughs> is also not so important to see the part of the giver, we'll get to that in a second. But the, so I think that's what Torah might be saying here. Even in, in an inanimate object, it's not about necessarily thanking the person who did something for you. That's a part of it, obviously. You have to have gratitude and thank the person. Someone did something for you; they need to be thanked. But there's also the part of you appreciating what you got um, for your for your own good. Okay, um, so that's one lesson from here, um, which we talk about. The other thing is. Um, the other thing I saw explaining why an inanimate object is because, we again, since we're many times, gratitude is such a key part of life, in Judaism at least, therefore, even if there's no, let's say in this case, there wouldn't be hurt feelings if I didn't say thank you, because it's the Nile River, it's the, it's the sand. It's an inanimate object, but the fact is we have to train ourselves as sort of the guinea pig. We have to train ourselves. We can't corrupt a sense of gratitude, and therefore, even in cases like that, we have to realize we have to we should have gratitude, even to inanimate objects, which is another explanation I saw. The other lesson I saw I mentioned, which is, this took place, by the way, Moses was born, Moses was 80 years old when he came back to Egypt, when he started being the leader of people. He was 80 years old. So this is 80 years after the water saved his life, right, if he was born, he was saved his life. He was put in the Nile when he was born, as a newborn. This is 80 years later, he still had that sense of gratitude 80 years later. This is something that I uh, find many times, I'm guilty of this, I'm sure many of us are, which is that you know someone did something for you 20 years ago, but since then he hasn't done anything. Okay, so you think, listen, okay, it's 20 years ago, I, I don't have to still be thankful for what he did 20 years ago. Since then, what has he done for me lately? Right, It's like that in relationships, it's like that in business many times, in whatever it is, fundraising, right? Speaking of fundraising, right? So <laughs> someone uh, you know, uh, gave you a donation 20 years ago, since then they haven't given you anything, so listen, now I could ignore him because uh, he hasn't given me anything in the last 10 years. Yeah, but 20 years ago he gave you me a master. So you still have to have that, that debt of gratitude. So that's another thing you see for Moses there. 80 years later, he was still uh, wouldn't hit the Nile because the Nile had saved his life 80 years ago. So that's another nice uh, nice lesson that they talk about. Um, so, and one other thing, right, one other lesson to put here, which is another question, which is, as we are going to see, it's actually out of order. Let's let's skip this one and start the next part, and then we'll come back to it. So um, the the next part, which is the, the quoting from the verses here. So going, this is actually going back to last week's portion, um, which the Torah talks about when Moses again left the palace, became a leader of the Jewish people. Actually, not before he became a leader. Starts off saying. Let's start from the top there. It says, uh, now it came to pass in those days, Moses grew up, as we said, he grew up in the house of the palace. He grew up totally in Egyptian culture. He was a prince, technically. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Um, and uh, he, he was, as the movie says, the prince of Egypt. Okay, so he, he really had nothing to do, he wasn't raised as a Jew in that sense, until he became an adult. That's what the verse says. It came to pass in those days, and Moses grew up, went out to his brothers, looked at the burdens, and he saw an Egyptian man striking a Hebrew man in his brothers. Okay, and we discussed last year in this week's parasha, if you remember, um, I don't, but I, but I looked at my notes, if that uh, Vayigdal, we spoke last week about leadership, last year, I mean, uh, leadership, that you see aspects of leadership in Moses, so we talk about it from here, because Moses, the word Vayigdal, and he came to pass that Moses grew up, it doesn't mean, the word in Hebrew, gadol, means, also means to grow, it also means an adult, it also means being a leader. Um, a, a Gadol be Israel, a, a leader amongst Israel, called a Gadol. So the same word, so it says that Moses, this is the aspect of being a leader, that he saw the burden of his brethren, he came out and he saw his, uh, the Jewish people were enslaved, and he took, he he did something about the injustice. Okay, again, relating it to this past week's current events, that uh, there's as much as, um, if you looked at many of the cartoons of this magazine in France, many of them were anti-Semitic, so, but, the what I do respect them for is they stu- were standing up for something that they believed an injustice was being um, perpetrated in the sense of you had people in society who you know, were being allowed to threaten the rest of society you know, this aspect of free speech and they stood up for this injustice by particularly printing to some what might be considered offensive cartoons and it was their point, they were making it, they you were know, standing up for principle so that's what you see here as an aspect of and a leader, Moses here yes, saw an injustice being perpetrated by um, by this by the Egyptian taskmaster. He went ahead and, and did something bad. So he did something, he stood up to the injustice. So you see that concept here. Um, and the verse continues, he turned this way and that way. He saw there was no man, so he struck the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So he killed him. First he looked to make sure no, no wouldn't get caught. Um, and there's also a Madrash about that. It says that he really was looking not necessarily to be caught, but he was looking to make sure if you're he was going to kill him, justifiably so, but still to make sure no offspring of his, uh, there would not be any righteous offspring. That's what he was looking for. Anyone uh, down the line would be a righteous offspring, then he wouldn't have killed him. It. It's an interesting thing, meaning because the, the Jewish concept is when, you, when you, if you commit a murder, you're not just killing that person, obviously you're killing all future generations that would have came out of that person. So you have to know, so you didn't just take one life, you took only thousands of lives <coughs> when you kill someone. Okay, so Rabbi, can I ask a question? Just sure. a, maybe it's a real quick answer. I don't know the answer to this. When did, was it that Moses learned that he was a Jew? I know what so the, a good question. In it the ten command is. Like, uh, it the seems right like that he understood all along that he was Jewish. He the fact that he leaves the palace when he was growing up he was he, I don't know if he had contact with his family or not. I don't know how that worked in the beginning he clearly did, but that was when he was an infant, he was nursed by his own mother. They hired his own mother to nurse, right? Um, but I don't know at which point he, he actually knew Catherine. I'm just curious. He grows up outside of the palace, and then she brings him in when he's weaned or something. No, well, that's uh, in the beginning. She nursed him for a little while, but I, I don't know if she went to the palace or not. But either case, he grew up from after he was weaned to totally in the palace. The question is, did he know he's Jewish? It seems yeah, it, from the text that I he did. I don't remember reading. That he did know. It was, and okay. clearly here, he walks out and he sees, says he saw what's happening to his brethren. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for him to react like that, yeah. obviously he already knew. Right. I just was wondering, at what point did he learn that? All right, so it it's okay. doesn't say... How specific. did the Pharaoh's daughter pick up a baby in the river and Pharaoh not be like, hey, that guy's probably Jewish? Oh, no, so they clearly knew he was Jewish the Pharaoh was, was like, okay, and, uh, oh, is, wasn't there the thing that yes, Pharaoh was like, or, or, why, or like... That's why you're Pharaoh's daughter, you get to bend the rules. But
1: <laughs> well, wasn't
0: Pharaoh, didn't he think one yes, of the Jews so would okay, so come can, uh, him? Yeah, so one kid, yeah, I'm saying, so he killed them all. One, so let. And he's him like, like, oh, okay, right, but yeah. one will let... Well, yeah. the Pharaoh's it's not such a thinker. He's like a little uh, like puppy, yeah. Oh, he's oh, a little puppy. Come on, got room. Pharaoh's not such a thinker, huh? So what happened, so you? said, the verses continue. He went out on the second day, and the whole two of men were quarreling, and he said to the wicked, why are you going to strike your friend? So here you have two Jews fighting, and he retorted, who made you a man, a prince, and a judge over us? Do you plan to slay me as you have slain the Egyptians? So clearly, Moses, the secret was out. They had seen him kill the Egyptian the day before, and of course, they went to the authorities, um, which is something, as we know, Jews sometimes were our own worst enemies, so they go to the authorities, to the Egyptian authorities, the a uh, snitch on Moses that he killed the taskmaster. Moses became frightened and said, Indeed, the matter has become known. And what happens? Pharaoh heard the incident. He sought to slay Moses. So Moses fled from Pharaoh. Again, this is, he had grown up in his palace, but he committed a murder. So he had to leave the land. He stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. And then it continues, so as we see in a second, verse 16. Chief of Midian had seven daughters. This is the famous Jethro. And they came and drew water. They filled their troughs to water their father's flocks. But the shepherds came and drove them away. So Moses rose and rescued them and watered their flocks. So Jethro was a priest who originally was an idolatrous priest. He was a pagan priest. He had changed his ways um, and left paganism. And part of it was, so his daughters, he was ostracized in his society because he was originally a pagan priest and then he, um, left paganism, so he's sort of ostracized, and therefore his daughters, whenever they come to the well, people, the townspeople would always, you know, kick them away, etc. So it says, um, they came to their father, Ruel, so, so this day, Moses showed up, because he was running from Egypt, comes to this well, and he sees these people starting up with these girls, and he, he himself, so he saves them, he brings, brings them water, and allows them to take water, brings up water for them, and then they come over, to so their father, Jethro, it calls him a different name, yeah, well, um, actually it says the Torah in different places describes seven different names to yeah. Jethro. So I once saw it was a rabbinical joke, he said, why uh, why does Jethro have seven names? There's a lot of interpretations. Of why do he have seven names? So one was he had seven daughters, so it said that after each daughter, he declared bankruptcy and and a, a new name, had a new name, so inter- How, how many wives did he have? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he changed names to uh, change wives. So uh, so it says, they, they came to the Father Ruel, he said, why have you come home so quickly today? They replied, an Egyptian man rescued us from the hands of the shepherds, and he also drew water for us and watered the flocks. So then, of course, there's, you know uh, they live happily ever after. He says, well, how did you invite him to the house? You bring him to the house, and he ends up marrying the oldest girl, which is Zipporah, um, so Moses finds his wife. And uh, what's, so what, why is this relevant to our topic? So what they talk about is this aspect here, a very interesting aspect. They identified Moses as an Egyptian man. They said to the father, an Egyptian man saved us. So the, the commentaries talk about that there actually is a prohibition of someone as a Jew, you're supposed to be a proud Jew, and someone identifies you for, as a different nationality, a different religion, you're supposed to make sure to say, I no. You, um, According to one measure, Moses was actually punished for the fact that he, he let them identify him as an Egyptian. He didn't identify himself as Jewish. So... The commentaries discuss what was Moses, why didn't he, why did he let them say the Egyptian man? Um, so they change it. It's a little planned words. What they say is actually, <laughs> Moses told them, they, they were thanking Moses, who saved us from, you got us water, you saved us. They had a debt of gratitude to Moses. Um, but Moses told them, no, you're wrong. It's not, don't thank me. You need to thank the Egyptian man. Because the only reason I came and ran to Midian, this new country, was because I was running away from the law in Egypt. So I killed that Egyptian guy, and now I had to run from the law, and therefore that's the only reason I ended up at the well. So the analogy the Medrash gives, which I put on, on the next page, the analogy the Medrash says is, says if someone was bitten by a snake, and they run down to the river to, uh, to wash out the snake bite, to wash out the venom of their bite. And they come down to the river, and there's a kid drowning, there's a boy drowning in the river. save the boy. So the boy says, you know, starts thanking the person for saving him. Says he says, you shouldn't thank me, you got to thank the snake. Because if not for the snake biting me, I never would have came came down to the river. I wouldn't have found you drowning. Okay, so that's the same concept here. So Moshe was telling them, didn't correct him. They, they identified him, Mitzri is not referring to Moshe. The Egyptian man is referring to the Moshe saying, you don't thank me, thank the guy who I killed, the Egyptian slave, the, uh, slave taskmaster. Um, which, again, is a very interesting concept if you think about it. Uh, why, why should he get this depth of gratitude? So I think this gets back to the point we are making before when you, you go to Starbucks, that uh, meaning the guy, that's what you see from here. Many, uh, many lessons. One is, again, the intent doesn't necessarily matter. Obviously, the, the intent of the guy he killed wasn't to help Moshe come down to Midian, save these women from the well, and end up marrying one of them. But, if, but Moshe had that, sense of gratitude when something happens he realized so even though the intent wasn't intent of this of the taskmaster just like the intent of the guy of the snake wasn't to help him save the drowning boy but you see intent is not what matters and this I think plays a big role we're saying first of all in Starbucks so he, just because the Colombian uh, coffee grower is he has no intent to help you you know get through your morning with your cup of coffee it's not his intent to have you have a better morning with your latte but his intent is to make money. That's all. I mean, that's all he's thinking about is making money. He sells it to the tri- distributor or whoever it is that, that exports the coffee. Um, but still, we're saying just because someone's intent wasn't to help you, but at the end of the day, you end up being helped um, by that by that person. You have a de- You need to have a debt of gratitude to that person. So we see we do have to um, have a debt of gratitude to um, coffee growers. So I think in business also, as many times, many times in business this comes up. People say to me, listen, you know, he got a good part of the deal too. I don't have to be thankful to him. You know, I bought this property from him, he's, he's making money too. Right, so people think just because a person is making money <coughs> on the deal, that means you don't have to have, be, have gratitude That's wrong. You see from here, from Moshe, the intent of why someone's doing something, at the end of the day, you're benefiting from their action that is worthy of gratitude. Okay, so just because they're making money or their intent, whatever their intent is, could be, in this case, it was a bad intent, right? This Egyptian taskmaster had no intent or an evil intent. That doesn't um, necessarily negate the fact you have to be thankful for what that person did to you. Um, and, and that's something that comes up, I and mean, you see it, I see it with my kids even. You know, so let's say you do something for your children or many times, or even two guests, you could have, this is an example they use in the, in the commentaries they talk about, you could have two guests at the same house. So one guest, you know, says, you know, thanks to the host, it's unbelievable. What this host did for me. They cooked for me. They did. The other one saying, "Listen, they had to cook for their kids anyway, so you know it wasn't a big thing. <laughs> they didn't do much. Just they had an extra piece of uh, an extra, yeah. you know, piece of chicken for me. Yeah. So that you can look at the same act in two different ways. Yeah. Um, one person, person who's a grateful, person who understands gratitude and appreciates it, will will say, will look at it an amazing thing. This person and again, in business too. You know, you look at it. This person made a deal with me. They didn't have to. They could have chose a different client, and different. Uh, you know, uh, broker or whoever it is, right? You can get it. They didn't have to choose me. Um, if you look at it in that way, so they chose me as their broker or whatever the case is, or me to make the deal with, or me as their attorney or physician. So then, even though I'm doing for them and it's, we're both making money on the deal, but you have that debt of gratitude. If you look at it as, listen, they had to do this anyway, so, you know, they happened to find me in the phone book, so then you're not going to have that debt of gratitude. So it's, it's important. To to keep that in perspective. So that's, that's what you see here from Moshe, that he was refer- referring back to the, each an the, the Egyptian man. Thank the Egyptian man, don't thank me for saving you. So that's a, a nice one concept, which I put on here on top of number five. It said not necessarily to thank the giver, but for the benefit <coughs> the recipient. That's what we said already. Um, so the other thing is, is another aspect, which. Right, so that's the so nail, going back to this one that I put in the wrong place. You could look back to page one. It says there um, the question is first, the first two plagues. We said there were three plagues that Moses did not do, specifically because he had a debt of gratitude to those inanimate objects. So the first two were blood and frogs, where he had to hit the water. Okay, and the water saved his life. So that's true. The Nile did save his life. As we said, 80 years before, but it saved his life. The third one was lice. Why? Because it says he had a debt of gratitude to the sand that he buried. This victim who he had just murdered in the sand, and no one should know. So, it was sort of, he had a debt of gratitude. He was able to bury the victim. and what happened as we read the story? The story goes that he really, the sand didn't save him because two people had seen him committing that act of murder, and they went and told the authorities. So, the sand really did nothing for him at the end of the day. Okay, so, so why does he have this debt of gratitude to the sand? Say so he doesn't smite the sand, he refused to smite the sand be- for the lice, the plague of lice, because the sand saved him. Saved him in the sense of he was able to bury his his body, his body. Okay, so what's that? What is? How does that make sense? At the end of the day, he was caught. So the sand really did nothing. For him. Sand didn't hide the body. The idea was the sand was going to hide the body. So again, so I think this is um, this this is a similar concept. Which first of all, again, we see the intent. Intent doesn't matter. Um, or actually, in this case, we're really saying intent does matter. Meaning, the point was he wanted to use the, the, the sand to save him. It, had, it ended up the sand didn't do anything for him. Okay, at the end of the day, the sand didn't save him because people saw the murder, so it didn't it didn't uh, save his life, so to speak. He still had to leave the country and become a fugitive, Moses. Um, but the point is, many so this happens many times also. People will try to do something for us, try and help us, for whatever reason. It didn't work. Sometimes, it, sometimes it's actually, it actually causes us harm. But the point is, their intent was good. They were trying to help us out, whatever the case was, and they ended up, the result wasn't the result that we wanted, whether it could be an employee at work is doing something for the company, and uh, whatever reason, it didn't, you know, they didn't make the sale, tried making the sale, they a good salesman it didn't, it didn't work, the, person the sale was dropped. That that also doesn't mean you should not have debt of credit. Um, when there was intent for good, that's what you see here again from Moses, from with the sand. The sand was he wanted to use the sand to save his, his own life. It didn't work out. At the end of the day, the sand didn't hide the body because people went and told the authorities, but seeing the word. But you still see Moses refused to smite the sand. He still had a debt of gratitude. So it's this concept, and that's what I put down here. Thanks, but no thanks. Many times uh, people try to help you, and you say, thanks, but no thanks, right? Um, you know, the, for sure, in, in marriage this happens a lot. You know, when the wife asks the husband to wash the dishes you know, and they still, the guy spends, you know, husband, men don't know how to wash dishes, right, and they spend 20 minutes doing it, and still, next time she takes it out of the closet, it still has, you know, it's still a problem with the dishes, right, or, you know, many things, you can think of many things in in, the, in a relationship like that, so the point is, so after a while, it's actually a trick that men have this way, the wife doesn't ask them again to do it, it's one of the tricks, but, uh, but assuming he truly tried, he just, Men are not good at washing dishes, so then, so then the point is um, that uh, so so again, it doesn't mean you shouldn't have a sense of gratitude. The wife still has to have a sense of gratitude, even if the husband messes up the dishes or it mess- takes you know or he takes out the garbage bag and most or, of it gets on the floor. Obviously, similarly, if the food yeah, served to you is inedible, yes, you don't say that, thank you. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true, but. Still are you referring to, me, right? to someone who has fed you inedible food? i just trying to eat. Well, unless it was no, I'm just trying to eat. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just being yeah, no, I'm, I'm that as a, an example, <coughs> speaking for myself. But but uh, the point is, the point being is, and it's an important point that many times people, you know, attempt to help us. The result might be negative, even sometimes, or, or it just doesn't happen. wherever they tried it didn't work out, but that doesn't that still deserves a, a an appreciation. Okay, just because the result didn't turn out the way you wanted, that's the point. thing. Mm-hmm. Don't agree, David doesn't agree. Well, there's certain things that don't fall into this category. For well, example, I mean, if you're at a murder zap. trial and the guy <coughs> and you have an, and they they say you're guilty, you're not going to show appreciation to the judge for saying you're mm-hmm. guilty. Uh, there's certain we're, things we're, that you don't, you don't necessarily. Yeah, I'm not have saying. I have, I'm not. If someone's. Well, it depends. I mean, in that case, that might be not be such a good example because maybe you should think, you know, maybe you'll, that will cause you to get back on the right path of life no, and, and, unless and you the death penalty. That's true. But I'm saying sometimes, meaning the, the fact there are many people, I'm not a judge, I can't say maybe, who judge will do something to them and at the time was viewing it as negative. Many years later, they look back and they say, or it changed, with, my uh, it's right, or changed my life. It changed my life. The fact you know, that he put me in jail, or I didn't get out, you know, if I would have got, got off the hook again, right. you know, the guy just would have continued on the same path. I yeah. gone yeah. back to my drug dealing, whatever it is. True. The fact that with my DWIs and whatever it is, yeah. the fact that I was put in jail, and, and I just had a recent case um, of someone in the Jewish community whose mother was begging me and pleading me, to. he had numerous DWIs, and at a certain point I told the mom, I said, listen, I think at this point uh, we had a judge actually help him out. Um, and get him off the hook, got him community service. And then he wouldn't show up to his community service. So at a certain point, I told the man, I said, maybe he needs to go to jail. It's the only thing that's going to get this kid back on the proper path is if he gets to jail. Make him up. And he is, and he, and because he didn't do his community service. his judge got him off the hook. He was supposed to go to jail. He had a warrant out for his arrest. And The judge got him, a friend of mine, not, not a different judge, not the judge from yesterday, um, a criminal court judge who got him, literally got, spoke to... Um, another judge who was in charge of this trial and said, you know, can you be easy on him and he got him community service and the guy would show up to community service at 8 in the morning and then he was supposed to be there till 12, he would leave an hour later so after a while, so I told the mother which of course she disagreed as a Jewish mother I said, how could you say that, what kind of rabbi are you son should go to jail but I think some cases that's the best thing -hmm. when he he comes out of jail the mother is going to thank you I guarantee you Okay, So the point is, so, so I'm not saying, yes, there are, ca- of course there are cases. If someone perpetuates evil to you, does something wrong to you, you don't have to thank them. I'm not saying you should thank them. What I'm saying is, um, in this case, what I'm saying is many times people, their intent is good. Mm-hmm. The result might the not yeah. come out so good, but they tried to help you. whatever reason, they failed. So what I'm saying is in those well, cases, still fail. deserves gratitude. Maybe huh? it wasn't them who failed, but for other reasons. Yes. You know, like a defense attorney does a great job, but the facts are what they are. Exactly. And there was an eyewitness, and you can't overcome it, but that attorney did as great a job as anyone could do. Right. So I'm saying, but even if, let's say, you know, right? That's a, that's a, that, that, that is a far. great example of, uh, of a case, case where the intent was very was good, but the result was wasn't was not injur- And there are good. The jurors yeah, and of course. You know, exactly. So, so there are many examples like that where people try to help. Yeah, even in your everyday business, you have an employee. Sometimes they messed up, not intentional. The intention was to help, for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't. the results weren't great. So that doesn't mean you don't have to thank them. That's the point. Okay, in those cases, obviously the intent was bad or they messed up because of their own liability so that's something else. Of course that doesn't deserve credit in those cases. If they were they did something which they were liable they shouldn't have done. That's another lesson you see here again the fact that Moses did not want to strike the dirt because the dirt potentially had the uh, the ability to save him even though it didn't. Um, I, I did see one other thing which, um, another way to explain it was that the fact the dirt did save him at least in Moses' mind for a day, because that whole day, it was 24 hours, it says, he killed the Egyptian, he hid him in the sand. This didn't happen until the next day. The Lord, didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't know that anyone saw him. So for one day, he had the peace of mind thinking that uh, that he was okay. So that peace of mind was enough to portray the sense of guilt. Mm-hmm. So well, that allowed him to get away, that gave uh-huh. him the time. Uh, well, no, he we didn't know, he wasn't on the run yet. because oh, okay. he, he was only on the run the next day after the, the, he realized that they... Actually, it oh, actually gave him that. Yeah, they have 24 hours, hours of, uh, of. Get his stuff of. together before you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that could well, be, yeah. and then When he was on the run, he was running through sand. I don't know if that's significant or not. <laughs> that's true. Okay, so sand, so, yeah. uh, so that's what I put down. If you go turn to the back page, so it says, um, like as we mentioned, not necessarily to thank the giver, but for the benefit of the recipient, to teach oneself the lessons of gratitude, as we mentioned. So another aspect is the, the, well, what I've seen discussed in the commentaries. Of why, let's say, inanimate objects um, in all these cases, even the case of Starbucks, of realizing, thinking about that 150 people went into one cup of of Starbucks in the morning. It's 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 understanding also the concept of the grand plan, which we just spoke about here many times. That the concept of what we call hashkacha pratit, which means that everything has a purpose. Um, when We believe God controls the world. So even your little things, God is in control. in um, you're not you being cognizant of the fact so for example in this case of Moshe he killed the Egyptian so he wasn't obviously in a good mood that day when he found out that the authorities he's running from the law. he becomes a fugitive but he ends up going to Midian and then meeting a, first of all meeting his wife that in itself is a pretty amazing thing um, that he ends up so you know, it's, he's, he under- he's cognizant of the fact of all these little things that occurred there was a plan It was a grand plan it wasn't just uh, he happened to be a fugitive now, the fact that he was a fugitive, he ends up meeting his wife. He ends up meeting God at the burning bush, which is also in the same place, because he becomes a shepherd for his father-in-law. So he ends up um, becoming the leader. This all took place only because of his initial act of being a fugitive, meaning if he wasn't a fugitive, this wouldn't have happened. So if he hadn't been in that situation... So, so it's the sense of gratitude, again, it's not for the giver, meaning it's not I have to could, be thankful for you the you Egyptian man. You could follow man. that out and say, well, if you know, he hadn't been in the Nile, and if he hadn't grown right. the palace, and if he hadn't been the right, pharaoh. So, so really it's all thankful for the pharaoh. Pharaoh 100%, banned 100%, said right. the killing of the Jews. You're right, but the point is being cognizant of the, that fact that things don't just happen, we don't believe in random acts, mm-hmm. you know, happenstance. Right, right. So the fact, as we know, as we saw, you know, after every plane crash, I always mention this, <coughs> and it happened after the last Asian airline, there was two people I saw interviewed, one who you know, they were booking that flight, and their computer crashed you know, just as they were ready to, you know, trying to book, and they were off. They missed, and they didn't end up booking that ticket. Another family missed the flight. You know, always, you always have them every single plane crash. There's always two people who just missed the flight. Okay, so, so under yeah. this theory right. uh, that everything happens for a reason, then Mallory should be grateful to the Nazis. Right. So we're going to talk about that. That's a good point. Well, like I'm not sure that. why. We're talking. We talk about that in a second. But why? Why, why are you saying that? Because without them, Grandma wouldn't have moved here. She wouldn't have met. She yeah, wouldn't mean, have been in the displaced been born labor born camp. She born in Germany. She wouldn't have. She wouldn't have been in, at the displaced labor camp where she met my grandfather. and then You're right. So I we're going to talk meeting about meeting that. So that's a very good point. That's an excellent point. So we're going to get there in a second. Yes, I agree. One second, we'll I don't if I find it's a We'll get there in a second. Yeah, but but uh, the, attempt, the, but the intent of the Nazis was not good. You don't have to be grateful, right, to the Nazis. True. But the, he, the circumstances were... If he wants to thank, wants were, to thank everybody in the, in, in the path... No, there's just but two not things. not the evil people. No, but well, it's, right. not it's not, the the it's not a valid point. evil. Their intent was evil. <laughs> but why? But I, I, I should be, be grateful events. for them because even though their right. intent was evil, it got me here. What do we care about? No, first of all, no, one second. One second, one second. I'm not... So far, I'm going to get to your point, but so far I didn't say... I'm saying on the contrary. I'm not saying... I'm saying the opposite. You don't have to... He, he wasn't having gratitude to the dead Egyptian, the Egyptian who caused all this. Because that guy was saying that his t- intent was evil, as Susan is saying. But it's, it's not the gratitude to the Egyptian. Again, gratitude is not only to the giver. It's about gratitude, being cognizant of the fact that good things came out of it. Not... Going back, that doesn't mean I have to thank him, per se, the, the person who perpetrated the I'm initial I'm evil. One second, it means that being cognizant that there was a plan That's what it means. So, and therefore well, being thankful in my life I, that I you're find, right. I find it hard to get... So I'm not that thanking the Nazis, I, 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 I I'm thanking the fact that... Part, but I find that, it hard uh, to get to the, that, 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 there's the, that, that's, that there's a, a plan. That, no, that, so that, i that no, so God, yeah, God said, I'm going to kill six million Jews. So, Mallory. No, you didn't say that. No, listen. So, let me say, let me place it like this. So, let me place it like this. So, my father is also a Holocaust survivor. He was one of 11, the only survivor of his family, one of 11 siblings. Right? So, there's a certain sense of gratitude that he had, I believe, and I have, meaning that he was the one saved. I'm not thanking the Nazis but the fact that clearly was a plan. Why was he saved? And many survivors always say, "Why?" Uh, or any tragedy you always have yeah. this one: this girl who was recently. She was another plane crash, a private plane. The whole family was killed. She's a seven-year-old girl. Hiked on of the soil was in Kansas. So, uh, right. So, so you have to live with the trauma of why was I the one saved? The guilt, and you know, it's clearly there was a reason. Again, if you believe in God, that this person was saved and others were That's that's the the gratitude. It's, again, it's not gratitude to the Nazis. It's, it's on being cognizant of the fact there's a reason that I was saved, and, and millions mm-hmm. of others weren't, or yeah. thousands of others weren't. That's that's my point. So, but we'll get to you, to the other and point the in a Rabbi, second too. You have to be pretty optimistic to believe every bad act will result in a good thing. No, I didn't say that. I'm not well, saying no, I, that's didn't say we, no, that's I didn't the say the that way. either. I didn't say that either. I understand where you're going, but no, I didn't that, say that didn't every didn't bad didn't act, act resulted in a good thing. I didn't say that. I said understanding and, and this happened to be a bad act initially but understanding that there's a that that all everything comes together everything. is puzzle pieces you're right we do in Judaism we do we do yeah. rightfully or wrongfully right. so Hopefully. if you think there's a plan for everything right if you believe that God's controlling the, plan, the world and, and, and right that and everything plan, has to be part, part, of plan. Plan. Right. Is is of, part of the plan outcome is part of the plan it doesn't mean it has to be good we're not saying everything's good but, but there's, a, there's a plan we, aren't we saying that ultimately everything is the really good no not necessarily the bad. We believe there's evil. No, the bad things happen, but there's God. We we believe that God has a plan. Right. There's meaning. There's a reason why the bad thing happened. Doesn't mean yeah. it's good. You might not like it. You might you have a you might be pissed off at God for doing it. And in your eyes, it's bad. But there's a reason why it had to happen. That's the point. Um, that that's the point. We're not saying it's good per se a reason why things happen. Right, and ultimately it usually doesn't become clear until five or seven years later. It could be, or 100 years later. Well, or I have found that as I live my life and age, I see that. Whereas yes. five years later or six years later, That's I'll right. go, oh, that,
1: that at was the time, why that, that didn't was happen. was so awful <laughs> right. that, so, boy,
0: did I get some lessons from that experience that right now, yeah. Music. I've had that happen so many right. times. So again, not we're not necessarily thing. saying, to address your point, that all from all evil comes good. But what we're saying is that there's a plan. No, it's being cognizant of the fact that there's a plan. So that's that's another thing that we're say, that Moshe was saying. Um, mm-hmm. So this, I just saw, this is actually from Robert Wolby from Torch. His grandfather uh, wrote a book, many books on ethics. So one of the, one of his books, he talks about how important gratitude is, and he says that, he says, if you want to be a happier person, says, this is his formula for happiness, he says, take take a month, 30 days, and every day, find three people or three things to do that you've never been thankful for before. Just go through your day for a month, he says, and every day do three things, yeah. thank three people that you've never thanked before <coughs> for something they did for you. He says, after 30 days, your life will be changed. That's what he, I never tried it, so can't say it works. <laughs> but you he were says, moved uh, by him he, <laughs> by his, uh, uh, he says, no, he says, just, n- n- again, because it's not about the person you're thanking. It's about you, your life. Meaning, you don't realize, we don't realize going through our daily lives how much good we have, how much good is happening to us from people, from just your cup of coffee, as we're saying. So if you would take that day in, in Starbucks and realize, wow, it's amazing, and you're going to send an email to Howard Schultz thanking you for your cup of coffee, you he, know or the I mean. person who designed the logo on the cover the cup so that he's saying if you do that three times a day for a month you'll be a much happier person after that. change your life so again i can't say i tried it but i'm, I'm well, you giving homework it, you homework to know, try it I, I mean we're not holding you to it yet because you just read it i just read no i actually read it before <laughs> but i but i'm happy so don't i don't need. it's, it's for happy. people who need happiness right. so i'm already happy i'm a happy person so I, i'm not looking for more happiness very happy now. so but but uh, but it's in the point is what i'm trying to bring out That, that we're not, most of us, and I'm speaking for myself, are not cognizant of the fact how much good we're receiving on a daily basis. Even if our lives, lives are not going great, and you not, not, don't have the best lives, um, we're not thrilled with our lives. But if we just be more cognizant of what's happening in our daily lives, being thankful, right, we'd we realize even just the fact that we wake up in the morning, go to the bathroom, eat, have uh, uh, fried chicken, That's, uh, there's a lot of good in our lives that we don't realize. Okay, and um, so just to finish off so the last point. So, this is where, and again, it's a hard pill to swallow, I did find um, that it's, it's a very scary statement. But, uh, later on in the Torah, there's a law. Um, there are three, or uh, many racist, maybe what we would call racist laws in the Torah, but one, there are there, specific ones that I'm um, that it says that certain converts, certain nations, that perpetrated evil against the Jewish people so we, even after they convert so it says that one of them I think which is Moab and Edom that for ten generations after they convert they we still don't allow them to marry uh, to regular Jews We'd only marry other converts or things like that a very uh, interesting statement this is in Deuteronomy it says uh, um, one of them is, is uh, Ammoni the, the nation of Ammon says that they um, when the Jewish nation was coming into the Canaan they passed through their land and they just asked them for water and they refused <coughs> to give them water mm-hmm. and it says because of that ingratitude that they didn't give the Jewish nation water so even after if many and they, even after they convert um, we don't allow we don't allow them to marry Jews for up to 10, 10 generations Fascinating name state but it says Mitzri the nation of Egypt if an Egyptian converts to Judaism again this is the original Egyptians today we really don't know who's who but um, so it says they can um, I, I believe it says, they can marry immediately or three generations they can marry immediately into Judaism. of course most co- all converts besides these specific nations are considered full-fledged Jews and they can marry immediately as to other Jews but it says this specifically about so it says Egypt if you look at this verse that I quoted here actually I did oh yes number six so it says you shall not despise an Edomite for he is your brother you shall not despise an Egyptian okay so the Torah says specifically this is in Deuteronomy I forgot to put the source in um, Deuteronomy, it says, you shall not despise an Egyptian, that means we allow them to marry into the Jewish nation immediately upon conversion, for you were a sojourner in his land. So the Torah says, why? Egyptians, we have to have gratitude to them. The fact that we stayed in their land for 210 years, even though they enslaved us, they, killed, they, they were killing our babies, were killing our male infants, the Torah still says, we have to have gratitude. You were sojourners in their land. They, and this again gets back to we when we were, were talking not about we were welcomed originally. and given a oh. comfortable place to live. No, initially we, we were and no, no. Initially that's the point, so uh, yeah, put those No, initially, <laughs> no, we were in the initially gospel. when the Jew, when the family of Jacob moved down, when Joseph was still alive. That's what it says. Persecuted Jews, murdered their infants, but since during the years of famine, they were welcomed and given a comfortable place to live. Initially, before they enslaved them. So okay. that's for I don't, know, I don't remember how many years it was. Let's say for for 50 years or before that, until Joseph died, they they had a good life in Egypt. So says the Torah because they had this good life. Therefore, um, and again, even though there were ulterior motives on the part of the Egyptians, they wanted it was a business deal, Jews came down and, and Joseph was helping them with the economy, but still we have to have gratitude for that, and therefore the laws are different for Egyptian converts and we don't we don't treat them differently than other converts, um, which is again, so this gets back to Nazis, it's, it's a very scary thought that we're saying here, is, these people are tor- tormentors, so we lived in, in German Jewry or had a great life for hundreds of years. Prior to World War II. But still, the Torah seems to be saying that we, and therefore we have to have some sense of gratitude. Many great Jews came out of Germany. Um, the country was very good to the Jewish people. Yes, the Nazi government. But, and I don't understand it, but that's what the Torah says. It is, it's a built as well. In a certain sense, it's saying we still have to have gratitude even to our tormentors. If they did something good to you, it's like when you're in jail, so you get a nice bed, you get a bed. So you have to be thankful. At least, you know, you got the bed. The fact that you're you're that's a into, pretty large Yes, thing. It's, a, it's a it's a it's 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 hard built as well, um, especially as a child of a survivor. Um, but that's what the Torah seems to imply this concept of of even gratitude to the Egyptians who enslaved us. So a very interesting thing. So surely getting back to what we started with, which is what that's I happening I in Europe. I just want to make this point So it's happening in Europe, which is th- the same concept again. Just because you claim you might be discriminated against, or. Or even, or whatever the case is. But these people, this country took you in. You're on their welfare. They're paying many times so you're for your medicine. You're business and Socialist make money medicine. And yeah. I mean, so that yeah. that in itself, leaving everything else out of it, is a, a major source for debt of gratitude. Sorry. Yes. Well, where I was going to go is my takeaway is using the bed and the jail is take small gratitudes wherever you can. So if that's all you can be grateful for, then that's all you can be grateful for. You don't have to get to, I'm grateful to the Nazis, but mm-hmm. you could get to, I'm grateful I lived from Tuesday True. to Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful I had a meal. That's you right. know, I, I, That's I can't exactly get all the way to being grateful to the Nazis, but yeah. you know, could I be grateful that I made it from five o'clock to six o'clock? Mm-hmm. All right, so, so that's right. So just to also that's the important. answer. But that has nothing to do with... No, but just to answer the question of the Nazis. So I, I think, well, as I'm reading this, I'm just saying, the, the, the thankfulness be seems to have been for, for, for the time before they... Well, that's the, the point. The Nazi yeah. government, that's and the and from the beginning, might have felt Rabbi, the original uh, German government... David just said, then you have to be grateful for everything. And I said, that's the point. Yes. That is the point. That's what you want to get to. That's the point. I don't think you're grateful for the Nazis or Nazis. No. I think yes. you're grateful for, for the German fact that country you, you, that you. Do. Your father or his father or mother you. had Thanks. the opportunity you one to leave. Yeah, one and to leave. for growing up, whatever they I got agree. there, they got something. So that you should be thankful for. Right. So, not so the fact as that you say, I'm thinking the same. Similarly, it talks yeah. about abusive parents. One of the key aspects of honoring your parents is this concept of a carte de being having a debt of gratitude. So, we talk about what happens if your parents are abusive. Yeah. So it doesn't negate the fact that they still brought you in this world. They took care of Well, even for that, they didn't take assaulted. care of you. That's right. But the point they is, you were born. Great. You're only in existence because of them. And uh, therefore, I have to have a debt of gratitude, uh, even can't even can't if be they're abusive. They Listen, I, I shouldn't have anything to do with them. locked <laughs> <laughs> <You're laughs> in jail, and I have so to defend this. Really no. But that doesn't negate the fact that I still have to be thankful that they I was born for this mother. I wouldn't be alive if not for them. It wouldn't exist. Right. Your gratitude is not for the abuse. Your gratitude yes, is for that obviously. being That's what parent. she said. She said, oh, I don't think he's right. So a, again, you see that kind of thing. again, it's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Someone who, who went through an abusive relationship, relationship or abusive. Yeah. No, well, I'm is, not going to pass. Not How can I do that? I'm saying he... You know, exactly I'm not going to pass person in my life. If um, you wouldn't do you? So it's a tough, it's not an easy thing. We're not saying it's easy. Jewish Ethics Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom.